welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show, where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, editor-in-chief of the Riot Report. And has 20 minutes dedicated in the show notes to talk about the revelation that Matt Rule loves Dave Matthews fan. That's right, baby. Big Matt, big Dave guy, obviously. Let me tell you a couple. Um, first, let me set the scene. All right. The, um, uh, somebody asks Matt Rule in his pre-death press conference about, uh, about what kind of weird questions he's asking the prospects. And Matt Rule says, I just talk to them. I like to find out one of the things I like to ask them is, you know, who their desert island band is, who they would, who they would only listen to. They could only listen to one band for the rest of their life. And um, then obviously the follow-up question is, who would your band be? And he was like, uh, mine is Dave Matthews. And I was on, so I was in the press conference, but I was in a separate Zoom square, obviously not part of it. But if you could see my face, it went like something like this. Oh my God, 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 oh my God. Okay, I have follow-up questions. Because I'm not sure if people know, um, I like the Dave Matthews Band. In fact, I'm literally wearing a Dave Matthews Band t-shirt right now. There are two framed prints behind me in most of our uh, most of our episodes that are my two favorite Dave Matthews lyrics written out uh, with the Fire Dancer behind them, behind behind them, behind them. I'm getting excited, getting things very worked up. Uh, so I asked Matt Rule his follow-up question, his favorite song. Um, and he answered you and me, which I have some thoughts on. Uh, it's not a great answer, uh, but the highlight of the entire press conference. And you may say that it was cool to hear Scott Fitter say that they have 16 first round grades. They have 155 guys on their board. It was cool to hear them say that the press corner and wide receiver and tackle are the, are the deepest position. And those are the three positions that the Panthers need. That was cool. But was it as cool as Scott Fitterer turning his head to the left and looking at Matt rule with incredulity and saying no gray street. Now that was the highlight of the press conference because not only does Matt rule love Dave Matthews, but Scott Fitterer loves Dave Matthews enough to know you and me, terrible answer, gray street, good answer, solid answer at least. For those of you that tuned out for five minutes while Josh rambled on about Dave Just Matthews. Just 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. <laughs> they, were, they heard like press corner and then, were, ooh, I'm, I'm back. Oh, nope, nope, nope. I just want to go back to the beginning of that where I believe you refer, referred to Matt Rule as Big Matt. Did you say Big Matt? <laughs> I might have. I was excited. You know, I'm giving out <laughs> nicknames. Big, yeah, the ruler. No, that's not good either. We, gotta, no. we need a nickname for, for Matt and it probably shouldn't be Big Matt. I think that that is a mean nickname for anyone because as a dude who has been overweight for, for a lot of his life, getting called big man at the store, it ain't no fun. Nobody likes that. All right, check out guys. If you're listening, don't, what else you need big man? Oh, sorry, big man. Just leave me alone. All right. Now, you now you know what? We started out the show. I was so happy. And now, and now I hate myself. The big dog loves Big Matt. Let's bring Big Colin in. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for The Riot Report, and is ready to invest some money into Miles Bridges posters, a.k.a. real-life NFTs. I, I don't get what any of this is. This is all foreign language to me, by the way. I just want to bring back the Starline poster. I believe Miles Bridges, the best in-game dunker I've gotten to regularly watch during my NBA fandom. I mean, and in terms of live. Yes, Vince, Blake Griffin, great dunkers but Miles, a phenomenal in-game dunker that we get to watch on a nightly basis. And if we're honest, we all miss some. Do you want to talk about Dave Matthews for five minutes? I think he does. I've got some questions. <laughs> Colin, what would you say your favorite Dave Matthews song is? Don't make me be a jerk to you this yes. early in the podcast. Let's do all it. Right? Let's but go. You, you were more excited than Marty Herney was when he found out Matt Rule had meatballs. <laughs> okay. You're not wrong. I was very excited. <laughs> Let's bring on our guest on the one-day contract this week, Will Bryan, a.k.a. Panthers Stats Guy, co-host of the Happy Half Hour number one member of the Grant Riller fan club and was able to fit us into his busy podcasting schedule this week. Hey, thanks for joining us and taking a time out to hang with us. 
Oh yeah, it's uh, it's a big week. It, you guys bring me on for when we uh, cut down the roster. That was a big week, and now it's uh, draft week. So I feel like I have like a really impressive time slot here on the one day contract. I like it. We only bring you in for the important big shows. I hope you know that. Of course. So we're going to talk about Dave Matthews for 45 minutes. I hope Do you have any important questions prepared. for Will, maybe to start off, Nikki, maybe something specific about like maybe like a favorite song about a favorite band that he might have. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just spitballing some questions that you could, that you could ask theoretically. Oh, like, like about One Direction. What's your favorite One Direction song? Oh, I was, I was all queued up with Stay for Dave Matthews. Mm. Is, that, <laughs> is that appropriate? That's a good Gosh, one. I'll give that you a good that one? one. Yeah, okay. that's a good one. That's a good one. Somehow that's not the song that came to my mind right now. It's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not what popped into my head. <laughs> well, let's start with my super important question. It is draft week. So let's go ahead and, and give me the worst draft take you have heard so far. I know you've heard one where you're like, or you've probably heard 50 where you're like, give, give me some of the most gut-wrenching or eye-rolling or whatever whatever reaction it induced in you. Matt Rule's favorite Dave Matthews song is You and Me. Is that a bad draft take? <laughs> uh, I think that uh, there was a point, there was like a week-long point where, where we had the, are we sure Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft? <laughs> like that's always, that's kind of my favorite week before it snaps back to reality. Yeah, I was going to say, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence not loving football enough and that he's mm. never going to be a great quarterback because – he, he really loves his new wife and, you know, doesn't want to like bury people with his anger and hatred and chip on his shoulder. That was, that was, that was a lot. You know, for me, it's the fact that the Jets are picking number two and nobody's discussing whether or not this guy's going to be good or not out of BYU. I just think it's hilarious that everyone's like, yep, Jets got this one right. Let's roll along. Let's, <laughs> let's pick three. Like everyone's just playing along. Also, and we're going to get to it, but the idea somehow – Somehow the idea is that New England is good at everything. And so uh, Panthers fans, I'm seeing a lot of Panthers Twitter of like, we can't trade. Well, if New England wants to come up and get Justin Fields, then we can't trade. And it's like, has New England been good at the draft ever? <laughs> like, have they, have they ever been good at the draft? But would you be interested in future first-round picks of the New England Patriots less so than you would, say, the average team? It depends who the average team is. If they're the Kansas City Chiefs, then no. Uh <laughs> That's probably not an average team, right? Who's well, another we all, average? We all have our definitions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder you think the Panthers aren't very good. <laughs> if you think the Chiefs are average, I didn't realize how high we were actually shooting for here on this 53-man roster. It makes sense now. Who is above average then if they are just average? The Monstars. <laughs> Look, I'm not – you, you, we joke, but we made the trade for Jeremy Chin with Seattle, which would be traditionally one of those organizations that you wouldn't want to trade with because they'll get the best of you. I think San Francisco, Baltimore, um, and probably the Patriots are the, the, the top of the heap for that, uh, you know, boilerplate analysis. Well, we stole their guy, so now we're, we're the guy because we, we stole Seattle's, you know, their juice and Matt and uh, Scott Fitterer. They have three picks in this entire draft. Seattle. <laughs> Federer left him high and dry. He's like, look, I, y'all don't have anything for me to do this year. I'm going to go see what's going on on the East Coast. I... <laughs> well, Josh brought it up when we've been talking about it for what? Dave Matthews had to bring up Dave Matthews. So if we want to talk, maybe I like, uh, I like Granny. It's my favorite song. Go ahead. The Temptations is my answer. <laughs> you say Granny? Ask. Yeah, it's Granny. It's, uh, yeah, it's called Granny. It's a good song. Sing it. I'd rather not. <laughs> okay, new rule. You cannot bring up Dave Matthews unless you sing a line of the song. All right, that's Approved. fair. All right. Approved. We'll All see right. how it goes for the, rest of the, for the rest of the podcast then. So we get no line from Granny? No, well, it start, the, the rule starts now. You can't just retroactively apply it. I don't have to sing part of you and me right now to get it going. The people want it. <laughs> There was that moment of silence where it was just like, what's going to happen here? Stare down. I don't think the people do want it. I just want to be clear. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, we talk about it for weeks, months. Panthers want to trade back. You mentioned the Patriots. So let me ask you this. Who's on the board at eight that you would not trade for a slightly lower ranked player and a first or second round pick next year? Let's start with our guest. 
Uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, number one answer on the board. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor, yeah, Trevor Lawrence also probably up up high <laughs> sure. as well. I mean, how many times has Josh been asked over the last couple of weeks? Like, if if Kyle Pitts is there, you know, what do you do? And it's just like, can we stop, you know, asking stupid questions that we all know the answer to? Okay. So that's that's me. I, I I don't really. I'm not sure beyond there. I I think they they're looking at this as they really. They, they feel strong that they have a lot of good options and that they have, they can go a lot of different ways depending on what happens in front of them, you know, depending on what Atlanta does it for, depending on what Detroit does at seven. I think those are looking like the big turning points of this top 10 of this first round. Um, so if it pivots one way or if it pivots another way, I think they feel like they're in a pretty good position to get something that's really going to help the team. I know we, we, excuse me, we've talked about Pitts and people, some people have even said it's absurd that Pitts will be there at eight. I do think though, depending on the scenario, particularly if quarterbacks go one through four, it opens the door for us to at least do the, do the Pitts dance for a couple picks, hoping and praying that he does fall to us. Um, if, if they don't go first through four picks, probably doesn't happen. Um, but if they do, um, then I do think there's a chance. As for me, the other guy I would add is Jamar Chase. I'm not trading away from Jamar Chase. Really, that's so interesting. Even with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the roster, you're still you're you're holding steady. I can't tempt you with the number 13 pick and a first round pick next year. It it would have. To, I mean, you could, there's there's a price I'll, I'll, I'll you know you could pay. Uh, I. I'd have to see who that was. Who is who's giving me that? Uh, who would be giving me that thirteen? I think it's the Chargers would be giving you that pick. Nope, I don't think so. Because wow. here's the thing: I, I'm in I, this. We get we have a bigger, you know, DJ Moore conversation. It's been looming for a while about is he not? Can he be your number one? But is he truly a number one? And I think if you bring in a Jamar Chase, hey, maybe that means you can you can trade a DJ Moore in a year you can do something like that you don't have to necessarily pay for a high price wide receiver the things we talk about with the quarterback position rolling it over and not having an expensive guy or getting a guy in a rookie contract I think you could do some similar things there so and I think he's a special enough player that I think he instantly comes in and competes for that top spot well um I'll be the one that says it because uh I would trade Panay Sewell for a first-round pick and Rashawn Slater or Christian Derrissaw. I would trade Jamar Chase for a first-round pick and Jalen Waddell or Devonta Smith. I might even trade – no, I wouldn't. I, would, I, I think Kyle Pitts is probably the best answer. But the question that I keep having with myself is would I trade Justin Fields for a first-round pick and the third best left tackle in the draft. And I don't know the answer. I think I'm not sure whether draft season has gone on one week too long because last week I was very I was very much like they can't draft a quarterback. You can't trade a second and a fourth and a sixth for Sam Darnold and then also draft a quarterback eighth overall. But then I started thinking to myself, okay, I like Justin Fields second best out of any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And the reality is, is that if they get the pick right, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. So if, if they get the pick right, Teddy Bridgewater's contract doesn't matter. Passing on Christian Derrissaw doesn't matter. Not drafting the, not, not trading back doesn't matter. And trading for Sam Darnold certainly doesn't matter. There's, there are a lot of ways that it could work if you, if you pull the trigger on Justin Fields. And I think that's why one of the reasons why they're so, why it? Why he's in the mix still? Why you know you heard Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer talk about it? It's been widely reported all over the place. I'm hearing the same things that everybody else is that you know Justin Fields is is very much a possibility. And unless they're just like great at smoke screening, I, I think it's real. And I think the reason is that there are a lot of good scenarios that come about if you do draft Justin Fields. In that you know he could be. You, you could still start Sam Darnold, and if Sam Darnold looks good for six games, he might have some trade value. And certainly if he looks good for 16 games and Justin Fields gets one full redshirt year, then he definitely has some trade value. So I, I think that – and if he, looks ter- if he looks downright Darnold-esque, then, uh, then, hey, here comes our number eight pick. We're ready to go. So I think that that would be my question when it comes to trading back the only person that might 
cause me some consternation would be Justin Fields. Do you want to be in that scenario? I guess that's my next question. Do you want to have that be the option, be the choice, be the decision you have to make, either pick him or trade back or pick someone else? Do you want him to be there at eight? Uh, not, probably not. If I'm Scott Fitter or Matt rule, like I, I think it would be, my life would be a lot easier if he's not there, but at the same, my job security would probably go up a notch if he was not there. Um, but at the same time, it, the price of the pick goes up if he is there. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's a real stay or leave situation. Like you, you don't know which way it's going to go. I have to wonder, though, what is going to be the price someone's willing to pay? Like, Because to me, if you see the Panthers sitting there at eight, you know, I'm going to try and jump them if I'm a team behind them. And if Detroit wasn't willing to take that package to move back, then all of a sudden you're going to, you're going to be the one to take that package. I do think, though, that this field's conundrum, potential conundrum, is interesting. Because on one hand, we do talk about quarterbacks possibly going one through four. And that would presumably include Justin Fields, I would think. Um, or we could be sitting here in a situation where we get him at eight. This was not what I think the Panthers thought would happen to, to um, Will's point that this is not necessarily the scenario I think they want. I think it's one reason why you're kind of hearing that they like this guy. So, hey, if you guys want him, go ahead and get ahead of us. But if you're a Panther fan, if you didn't like the Darnold move, I don't understand how you could not like the Fields move unless you just don't like both Darnold and Fields. Because it, it was to me, it's a, it's a low-risk you know, play on Darnold as opposed to what we thought possibly trading up might cost um, to go get Justin Fields. So then if you wait for him and you just get to pick him at eight, that's a completely different scenario than I think we thought we would be in initially. So I think you can I, – I approved of the Darnold move, but if they sat there at eight and they liked and they liked Fields, I would not object to that. But I don't think it's ideal, and I don't think it's the scenario they want for the immediate improvement of this team. Well, but they – okay – can I dislike the Darnold move and like the Fields move? Like, yes, I yes, think that's, that's what I'm saying. Would, yeah, no, yeah, I'm saying if you dislike the Darnold move, then I don't think you should dislike the Fields pick, right? My, like, my question would be: Could they have not traded for Sam Darnold and still drafted Justin Fields at eight, and then been just in a regular situation, like not have had to give up those assets for Sam Darnold, or did they have to do that in order to? kind of I don't want to say like fool the rest of the league there are a couple I, I I was talking to somebody who said like the most four like Fitter was playing the most 4d chess in the world and that they traded for Darnold so that everybody would think they weren't going to draft the QB so then Fields falls to them at eight and then they're going to ship out they already have an agreed to deal for Darnold to go somewhere else I don't think that he is doing that just to be clear well I, I think the Jets as the as the people that had the asset were the ones that were able to set when that, that transaction was going to take place. They, if they, when they decided to move on, they decided to take offers. It becomes this great hypothetical where it's like, Hey jets, could you just hold on until after the draft? And then, and then we'll do it if we don't get our guy, I think. And again, the, the, the betting sites say that it's a very real possibility that quarterbacks do go one through four, at which point this is, this is all moot. And then if you didn't do the Darnold move and he went somewhere else, now you're, back at square one with Teddy and, you know, probably the guy that you're paying $20 million this year, (laughs) but the big boss man's not happy. So. I mean, and and either way, if you do end up getting fields, I I think part of the argument there is like, okay, now we have all the quarterbacks and we still have no one to block for them. You know, like we, we, we have some playmakers, but we have no one to protect these guys. And you looked at all the stats around these playoff teams, these teams that won divisions and, you look at their they're all pros along the line, and Carolina really hasn't had a left tackle since Jordan Gross retired. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do we – what can we do with Justin Fields if he goes out there like Joe Burrow did last year and he's running for his life? Yeah, Maybe I think Teddy it, can block. <laughs> We're paying you. Get out there. We're changing <laughs> yeah. your number. We're paying you for this much work. Go out there. Sorry, Colin, I interrupted you. You were going to say something brilliant. No, no, I was not. It's fine. Oh. Were you going to say Matthew's line? No, I was just going to continue down the hypothetical rabbit hole, but we don't need to do that. (laughs) That's what we've been doing for four months. We're two days, we're one day away from the actual draft, so we can go as hypothetical as you want. 
I mean, have we even talked about oh. the idea that they might take Alicia Vera Tucker at eight? Like that, that hasn't even crossed anybody's mind, but we may just go off the table. Well, see, I enjoy doing the scenarios. I enjoy that hypothetical of it. I don't enjoy the, can you imagine how mad I'm going to be when <laughs> that we find out that they didn't, that they passed on the guy? Just, you know, if he's available and then if they don't take him and then if they take somebody I don't like, then at that point, then I'm really going to be mad. That's the kind of hypotheticals that I find particularly annoying. But only if he's really good. That's the other, you have to have that also hypothetical. And as you said, Josh, if it works out in the end, it doesn't matter how you got there but i don't feel like that is the does that apply for other guys i know we're probably ready to move on from this topic but like does that apply to uh christian derisaw like do people view it as like hey like christian derisaw has been starting and he's been pretty good you know panay Sewell or justin fields is really good right so they trade back so Justin Fields was there at eight. They trade back to 15. They pick up a first-round pick next year. Christian Derrissaw is a good left tackle, but Justin Fields is a, you know, franchise quarterback. Do Panthers fans forgive the front office for making that move, or do they get angry about the hypothetical Justin Fields that could have been here in Carolina? Depends on how it all works out. <laughs> It depends on how Cam Newton plays. That that's that's how angry we're going to be. Is how Cam Newton does. <laughs> Who are the most likely trade back candidates? Well, New England, I think, is at the top of the list, right? Like it's fifty. They're they have the fifteenth pick. They're right at the edge of that that sixteen first round grades. So it's like if you if if you really believe Fitterer and rule that they have 16 first round grades, they don't want to go further back than 16. Uh and they probably don't really want to go back further than 15, but whatever. Uh so 15 is New England and then some of the other guys in front of them uh, uh you know you have um Minnesota, LA, Philly, the Giants and then you're kind of getting closer. Like I don't know whether Denver would hop one spot but maybe the closer we get, I actually don't think they're trading down. Oh they, boy. All right. They, That's a good take. It, well, because here's the thing. Look guys, we, we told you we wanted to trade back, but then we just had to take this stud at eight. Cause you know, that's where you get studs and shucks, but we really wanted to, because there's just not that much room. Like I think a little like scoot down and pick up a little bit that might happen but to your point josh that they said that they're you know in fitter and, and we'll believe to the exact number whether or not it's it's accurate or not 16 first round grades but there's a big difference to me between a top 10 grade and a first round grade and that that's the difference and i think it's particularly as we look at these left tackles because you know a year ago i was on the Derek brown train and i know people felt like i was you know serving up serving up medicine and it, that's how I feel now when it comes to the left tackle talk, where it's like, we're going to take a left tackle. If you're telling me this guy's going to be an Anthony Munoz, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, okay. Then I think getting that left tackle matters in the top 10. But if he's going to be good, and with all due respect to even a guy like Jordan Gross, if he's going to be Jordan Gross and he's going to be a good player, but is he, is he a foundational, you know, run behind him kind of guy? If, if do you take that guy in the top ten? And I know he was a he was a top ten pick, and it worked out. So again, I feel like I'm taking my medicine here, but it it does leave me a little bit wanting, especially because it feels like the Sewell stuff. Uh, you know, the, the evaluation seemed to have slid in this this year where he did not play. Like in terms of who he is, it felt like he was getting talked about like as the next Munoz, and now he's gotten to a point where it's like he's going to be very good for a long time. I mean, I also think that. Like right now, there's a lot more teams that want to go back than there are teams that want to come up. You know, we're, we're looking at because of the pandemic, because of the opt-outs, because of all this stuff, typically you have maybe 19 to 20 first-round grades on guys in the first round. And the average among these GMs right now is 14 to 16 to 17. So there's a lot of people that don't want to give up stuff because they don't think there's a lot of uh, value they can count on. There's not stuff that they really feel that they can really count on that they want to you know, there's going to be a lot of gambles this year. Uh, so I think more people want to back out and get more stuff for next year, you know, you know, build up the, build up the cupboard rather than, you know, is there a difference in these top four tackles? Is one guy going to be the guy versus what well, we don't really know about someone else because he hadn't played this year. So I, I think that puts them in a tough spot, which is, you know, go back to what we were just talking about, of, you know, how much value can they try to create for this potential trade 
And then, but at the same time, I think if you're, if you're still picking at eight, you know, hopefully that's, that's a, a guy that you can really build around. But yeah, once you get back to 15, 16, you know, the, the heart of this draft is, is really hap- happening the second and third rounds on guys that you may not have as much on as you do in a usual year. Yeah, I almost, I almost wonder if they're, if the question of like what they would trade back for would be not enough. I think it was Peter King that said that the, the 49ers set the bar so high in terms of how much it costs to move up in this draft that, you know, the Panthers may say to New England, like, hey, look, the Diners came up from 12 to get their guy um, for the chance at their guy, and they gave up two first-round picks. It's gonna, that's the price to come up to eight from 15 because that's seven spots and you know who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just might be a lot to ask. You know, like it just – it might be a lot to ask. I feel like if the draft falls in some unusual way, that's the best-case scenario for a trade back because if all – if, say, if say Slater and Sewell are gone and Mac Jones goes ahead of you, maybe Micah Parsons, now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at – you feel a little bit more comfortable about moving back. But if this plays out chalk and those those quarterbacks go quick, I really want to get one of those high-level guys in this draft, and I don't think there's 16 of those. That feels a little too high for somebody like Micah Parsons, like maybe or, – or even Mac Jones. But, like, the thing is is that these guys can come up and away and they move quickly and then it's like things are happening that you de- you never expected there's always something unexpected and Deion we Jordan feel, goes three yeah know, we the- feel so confident with these front set these first mm-hmm. seven like we're going to talk about it later but like I, I I feel very confident about who's going to go in the top seven or in the top six at the very least but there's always every single year that doesn't happen every single year we're very confident and then it's like oh well Cleveland Farrell just went four Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, your mock drafts are wrong. And that's when you start fist pumping as a Panther fan. <laughs> Can you guys guess who the first – those 16 first-round grades are? Trevor Lawrence. All right, you got one. I agree. Um, okay, I'll, I'll – let's, let's – we'll do it – I'm not going to do these all myself, but I feel like it's Trevor, Trevor Lawrence – the first Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase – uh Panay Sewell, Kyle Pitts. So those are like the top guys at each posi- at their four positions, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think Micah Parsons is on that list? Yes. Okay. So there's five. Zach Wilson, probably. Yes. Justin Fields. Yes. Okay. So now we're at seven. Rashawn Slater. Yes. Um Elijah Vera Tucker. Okay, Elijah Vera Tucker. See, I feel like Elijah Vera Tucker might be on the like one of the guys that I'm not 100 percent sure about. But may, but I think I think you're right. But I think he could be even if you considered him a guard, which is some of the discussion. You can consider him a first round guard, but that's not what you want to take at eight. So like that's that's the point. Like I'm not interested in trading out of eight and getting a first round guard if that's what you're talking about. Uh, the other two, I would say Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, the two cornerbacks. Sure, okay. Uh, I had the, both Alabama wide receivers. Um, okay. And then I had Darisaw on my list, and also Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, hmm. I think, is a deserving first-round guy. Name, yeah. Yeah. Anybody else, Will, that you really like that you think might be in that top 16? Um, not really. I mean, I, I, I know everyone's really down on the defensive line. Um, and maybe they see some great, and I know they've talked about, they haven't made it all that explicit, but they've talked about both sides of the line a lot. So you don't know if like, a guy like the guy from Michigan, I don't know how to say it's Quiddy Pay or um, Aziz Ajulo, I can't say it, the guy from Georgia, um, right. the sophomore from, you know, like, so, you know, you never know if it, it you know, everyone says it's, it's not a great draft for edge rushers but you never know if one of those guys might have snuck in just because they, they really want to take a hard look at, you know, on that side of the ball as well. If I was placing a, a, a bet on this Panthers draft, I think my most likely pick would be second round, either offensive or defensive line, because there's guys like Jalen Phillips as well. Another edge rusher that has some injury concerns that may fall. Quiddy pay doesn't have the, the, the production. So maybe if he's there in the second round, like I think there may be one of those guys, you know, Rousseau, but I'm not crazy about pairing Burns with another smallish pass rusher. 
um, but I think that they may hope that there's a defensive line, a defensive lineman available at um, 39, and if not, go offensive tackle. This is a good game. I think I would also I would like to pie, I would like to tail that bet and say and maybe get more specific and say that the Panthers will draft an offensive lineman in the second round. That's where I would put my money. I don't know what they're going to do with that first round pick, but it feels like second round offense someone is falling whether it's whether they like Landon Dickerson or Liam Eichenberg I like I don't know who they would like out of that group but I have a feeling that even if they went left tackle to start there might be some value in that second round um at at tackle or guard or center and they need all of them so may as well just double dip and then that's that you could tell that story too that's a good story like we're going we got some, we need some beef up front. <laughs> Any other draft thoughts before we move on? I Dave, think I think it all comes down to it comes down to uh, it all comes down to whether or not quarterbacks go in the first four for us. I, I I think they end up taking I think they end up selecting at eight. That's what I'll say. I think the draft starts at seven. If we're if we're if we're Wrapping things up, I think the draft starts at seven. I think the first six picks are some combination of uh, three quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts, um, Panay Sewell, and Jamar Chase. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh, But those first four, I think, are going in that order. And then I think Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell could flip at five and six. And then seven – is when the question is like, do the Lions want to make that pick? And they could pick a ton of different – they could go a ton of different ways. They could go wide receiver. They could go first defensive player off the board. They could go They could go quarterback themselves, or they could trade out of that pick, and somebody could be coming up for Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones, theoretically. And then that's when, it's, that's when the fireworks are going to happen. So, like, if you're going to be late to the draft this year, it's cool, baby. Don't even worry about it. You're all good. Take your time. Take your time. take your time all right let's talk about the actual roster for a minute so what can we expect from cnc in a full season under joe brady don't all jump in at once lined up up at wide receiver maybe (laughs) (laughs) well didn't he have five he had five touchdowns in three games right like six he had six Six touchdowns in three games. He was the leading scorer for a really long time on this team, even though he hadn't played. Um, I think you're going to, if you're a fantasy football player, just to the moon, baby. Like it's, it's. Uh, I, I think that Chris McCaffrey is going to have a huge. I think that when Joe Brady signed up to come here, he came here because of Chris McCaffrey. I might say the same thing about Teddy Bridgewater, but Teddy's not going to get another season to see what happens. It's my biggest disappointment of season one was not getting to see, you know, with with everything we heard about Brady and everything about CMC, we instead saw Curtis Samuel doing an admirable job filling in in every capacity to do everything for the offense. But I'm I'm excited to see it. I I was bullish on this marriage before. I still think CMC is capable of turning in an MVP type season for the squad with Joe Brady. I mean, you, you saw last year they, they moved the ball from the 20s to the 20s. It was in the red zone. And, you know, Christian's six touchdowns, I think all of them came in the red zone. So that, like, you know, there were some times when Curtis was able to kind of run the ball um, down there and see some success. But really, that, that's where this team struggled at times was, you know, they had to kick field goals because they couldn't, they couldn't punch it in um, when it got close. I mean, and that, that's Christian's, Christian's just unguardable down there he can do anything and everything and if you double team him then someone else is wide open so i i think christian in the red zone is is what you're going to see next year good lord willing we get an extra game this year two thousand yards if he is healthy this season two thousand yards is done do you think that the thousand thousand um season is going to be that much more easy to attain with an extra game i mean obviously the answer is yes but like do you think that maybe some, it may lose its luster a little bit if guys like you know uh if duke johnson has a thousand thousand yard season because he has an extra game to play well the nfl doesn't do exactly a great job of uh recognizing receiving uh, accomplishments as steve smith's triple crown season uh, can attest so it probably will get overlooked still 
I mean, it, it really does, you know, how much will, will people like, you know, will, will I start putting asterisks on things? Will I say, you know, back in the 16 game era, you know, like it, I, I don't really know how we're going to look at all these things and how we notate them or whether it's just, you know, yards per game, you know, and everything is just some sort of per game average versus some big, you know, nice round number at the end of the year. All right, complete digression from the draft real quick because, you know, as, a, as the stats guy, as the Panther stats guy, when, when we were growing up, stats were king. The numbers were king. You knew how many home runs guys had. You knew these numbers coming up. And now in a day and age of no longer having that kind of institutional knowledge with all fans and, and stats no longer mean the same, how do you find it uh, to try and capture what, some, you know, what a Panther's done and really give it some, some good context? I mean, I, I think you, you try to – I always – whenever I look anything up, I always try to put some sort of ranking behind it. You know, this is going to be, you know, X in franchise history, you know, since 2000 when tackles started being recorded or whatever it is. You know, this is ranks, you know, third in the NFL uh, o- over this time period. For me, I, I never try to put any sort of number out there that doesn't have some sort of – this is why it's better than all the rest of your numbers, you know. that I, I always try to look at it that way. Um, but I mean, there's so much now where there's, there's so many things that just don't have the same luster, you know, home run is just a great number. It just feels nice and whole. And, you know, when you talk about wins above replacement and it's like 1.23, yeah, that's a great number. It's just kind of like, it just doesn't feel the same, you know, and I, I get why it's analytically more complete or tells a fuller story or, you know, can be, you know, uh, sliced and diced more ways but yeah I, I i do think the i think i hope that the thousand thousand does retain some of that because it just feels so good you know that like that that just felt really cool when he did that and i you know i shoot i hope he does it again um you know i mean i think if we if we look at who's the best candidate to do it again it's him you know well while we're talking about cmc you got to tell your cmc draft story oh yeah so here's, here's the abbreviated version of it. Back in 2017, um, when I was first hired by the Panthers, we were first looking at trying to do some draft coverage. And that year, the, the draft was in Philadelphia. Um, and I think like Leonard Fournette was there, a couple other guys that were potential picks for the Panthers at eight were there. So we sent like a camera crew up there. Um, but Christian was going to be at home out in Colorado. So kind of at the last minute, they're like, hey, this could happen we're going to give you a camera. Like I worked in PR, like they gave me a camera in a bag full of hats and they sent me out to, to Colorado the morning of the first round of the draft. And I get his address and I'm like going over there in the second pick, just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I talk my way through the gated community, you know, the McCaffrey's live in this and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, how do I get through this gate? And I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm here with the NFL for the McCaffrey draft party. And like, Oh, come on in, come on in. So, you know, walk through there, uh, park on his street, like up the hill, because, you know, essentially if, if he went number seven, he would, if he went in front of us, or if we ended up picking somebody else, I was never there. Like it just wouldn't have happened. So uh, seven happens. McCaffrey's on, on the board. I get the text, go, go, go. So I'm, I'm grabbing my bags and running down the hill towards the house, get up to the door, ring the doorbell. Nobody answers, ring it again. Nobody answers. I'm texting. Uh, he's not coming to the door and all of a sudden I hear just this scream and I'm like oh my gosh I missed the moment like he just got drafted by the Panthers and I'm sitting outside in the yard and find out that it's like the the first call like in in the draft room you're always going to call the guy before you actually turn the card in they call it like the proof of life call but you know they say hey we're going to draft you here in a second congratulations welcome to the team so that was what that call was so I'm texting I can't get in the door Whoever was on the phone uh, gets a message to tell Christian to go open his front door. So all of a sudden, Christian comes to the front door while on the phone with Dave Gettleman. And I have a hat for him. And I said, welcome to the Carolina Panthers. And he was like, who, who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the GM, so I'm, I'm going to go. And so then, like, Lisa McCaffrey comes over. Oh, welcome. Can I get you some food? Do you want some wine? You know, and I'm like, well, I, I've got 35 hats for you. 
So I kind of like briefly explain who I am. She's dumbfounded too. And then Christian comes back out and I've got his whole family who are wearing Broncos jerseys. I get them to take those off and put on a Panthers hat. And we have this incredible uh, thing that I captured on my, on my cell phone. And we ended up like going outside and I took like the, the draft picture with him and his hat um, on just his back porch. Uh, and it was just kind of one of those moments that was just, you know, absolutely incredible to be able to experience that. And you see just when you see a guy's, you know, it's just a kid. Like we think of Christian now with his mansion up in Lake Norman and all this. And, you know, back then he was just a, a college kid that, you know, this was the biggest day of his life. And you got to kind of watch that. So it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I love that story so much. I actually heard that for the first time last week when we sat and had a beer together and I was like, well, you have to tell that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the next day, uh, since no one still, no one really knew it that I was out there. Um, we're all in the locker room and his parents are with Ron Rivera kind of walking through and his mom goes, Will, it's great to see you. And Rivera is like, wait a minute. How do you, who's, who's that? How do you know him? And she's like, Oh, he was uh, hiding my bushes last night. He's a stalker. <laughs> So for the next two years, Coach Rivera always called me uh, the stalker that hit out in people's bushes. <laughs> That's much better than this. Yeah, much better than the story of when I went to the draft and the Panthers continually picked guys that weren't at the draft. That was a. <laughs> that was a thanks, Stephen. It's not as fun. Do you think that the idea of going uh, of going to the draft if you're not invited and then being in the crowd and coming out of the like that that's always my favorite draft moment is the guy like especially when you get into like the third and fourth round we obviously everything was at home last year but like the third and fourth round when it's like it's not even Roger Goodell announcing it it's yeah. some other dude and then it's like and you know now selecting Jack Johnson from the University of Hawaii and then the camera just like flashes over and it's like oh he's there he's in and he's like climbing over the seats yeah and he comes on stage and he puts the hat on oh that's awesome man that's I look forward to seeing that on Saturday I'm excited for that well let, let's hope you get it there are only I think 15 guys there this year so oh. I don't think any of them will or none of those are second round guys although like all of Alabama is there there's like nine Alabama guys going Landon Dickerson seems like the kind of guy that would climb, that would be there with like his, that would be like eating a full dinosaur rib, like on the Flintstones and just be like, Homp. Oh, what? I got drafted. I don't know if he has an accent, but he seems like he would. <laughs> a big dude named Landon Dickerson that went to Alabama. He's got an accent. Sorry, Landon, if you're listening. He definitely is listening. He's a, definitely a fan of the show. Obviously a huge Panthers fan wants to get some <laughs> Intel on the draft preview. Uh, get to the second round come on guys yeah <laughs> who do y'all think they might be taking with the second round pick they got their eyes on any sinners <laughs> i love that that's a voice that you came up with for that that's how he sounds that's a dead on guys if you don't know what landon dickerson sounds like you're you're gonna be really impressed with my impression <laughs> I'm now rooting for them to draft him even more just so we can play. Hey, have you heard Josh's impression of you? And then I'll have to ask him what his favorite Dave Matthews song is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Probably Lord. something country like number 27. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Grace is gone, maybe. Something like that. Oh, I love it. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk any more about this roster? I think we derailed for a second. Oh, boy. Yeah, we definitely did derail. Um, I want to talk. I know <laughs> just because I, I also uh, drink beers with Will. Will told me something terrific about the about measurements and how measurements sometimes mat can matter. Um, and I would like for you to share that story. I know that's not a good intro, but. Yeah, so I, everyone makes fun of the annual ritual about quarterback hand size. And because it's, you know, there's just so much that can be made fun about that in, in so many ways. But it actually did matter with Jimmy Clausen because apparently they didn't measure his hands purportedly until he was here. And then they took a look and th those hands in that NFL size football did, did, not, did not match very well. He couldn't, he couldn't hold an NFL size football. This yep. is this is one of those measurements that gets mocked, and I believe in it wholeheartedly. Like, it's just it just makes sense. It just makes perfect sense. If you've got bigger hands, you've got more control of the football. And yes, you do That's need a, a myth, larger. Colin, if the big hands do not translate to anything, 
It's con- to controlling a football, they do. Okay, all right, let me, that's fair. Let me tell you how I know, because I have tiny hands. <laughs> and I could never be an NFL quarterback because I have tiny hands. And I know this. I know it matters. Too many times my tiny hands have impacted my life to, to not believe that it matters for NFL quarterbacks. Conspira- conspiracy theorists would say it was just a, a long play to get Cam Newton the next year. Yeah. Colin's just like – this is so unfair. <laughs> I have an have a cabbage patch kid ready. Give me a good hand. That's only for the, uh, that's for the video listeners that there aren't any, but uh, that was good hand. stuff. Uh, that was, that was just great. Everything about it. Um, any other roster talk or do you want to go to the game? We did have one other thing that I wanted to note that we still need a veteran running back. This, the answer for the running back issue is not going to come in this draft. They need a veteran running back. I was hoping that they might get Giovanni Bernard, the Tar Heel, uh, but he's with Tampa now. He's not as big as I would have liked, but he is absolutely a veteran pass blocking um, running back, and they need one behind CMC. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something they can address on day three of the draft. Real quick, because I, I, we're, we're running right up against it. Oh, you don't like that? You don't think that day three of the draft is, is going to be any better than Reggie Bonifant or Rodney Smith is what you're saying? They need a veteran running back. Why a veteran, veteran specifically? Back. Isn't Chris because McCaffrey a veteran? Because it's about, it's about pickup just as much as it is about running back. It's about being another man in the protection scheme. They, uh, to me, they have to get another veteran running back or they, they're begging for trouble. And it, and it allows you to do things with CMC. Oh, all of a sudden. Like if, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the year with um, the other Mike running Davis. back, Mike Davis, who I've forgotten about because he's no longer with us and that's how <laughs> I work. Uh, it wasn't an accidental at all. That, you know, he and Mike Davis working together because you, you can move CMC around. You could do some different things. They need a veteran running back, and they can't get it this weekend. Who do you like? I like Alf Morris if we're looking at, uh, at, at veteran <laughs> running backs. Alf Morris. Also, if you were Speaking. upset that the Panthers didn't draft Bryce Love in the third round last year, he's available. He's a free agent. I guess they could get a fullback in the draft if that's – but that seems like – I mean, we got to replace the uh, Manhurts Hive. You know, that's a huge gap that needs to be replaced there. Yeah, that's actually a good question. Will, what do you think there are some spots that they kind of have to replace in the draft that aren't necessarily like, oh, we, it's going to be a starting left tackle. I think Manhurts blocking is one of them. I think uh, um, secondary depth is a huge one. Yeah, I, I think safety for sure. I, I mean, in you know, we'll, we'll see about Denzel Perryman, but you have to – I think you got to look at the linebacker. You know, I think – People talked about hybrid linebackers as like the future of the NFL, and all of a sudden we've completely forgotten about them because now we're talking about hybrid safeties. It's like you know the the good old days of of a Luke Keekley middle linebacker. No one no one seems to think that's nearly as important in this current little momentum of what's you know what's trendy in the NFL right now. It feels like Owusu Koromora a, a year ago. We'd been talking about him at eight. He's he's right out of that you know that same kind of uh, mold, and yet it is interesting. It's like we're not gonna we're not interested in pairing those guys together, uh, particularly if you put Chim at, Chim at safety and him at linebacker. I, I'd be intrigued by that, but it does feel like I am concerned about the defense getting too too small and investing too heavily on defense in an offense first game. I think they need they still need some. Not to not to use this phrase twice in one episode, but they need more beef up front on both sides of the ball. I, and I think defensively, like I, I get, I like the Daquan Jones signing, but at the same time, like that's not enough. Like they need another, they need one, maybe even two more defensive tackles. And whether that's something you find in the draft, sure, I'm sure there's a fourth round guy that's really good that that somebody that that somebody has a third round grade on that's going to be that it's going to be a real steal. But I don't know who it is, but like that is somebody that they need on this team because you know, they're, they're just going to get pushed around up front. And I, I know Derek Brown is not going to get pushed around and Daquan Jones isn't going to get pushed around. But the guy that comes in after that, you know, that that might be trouble. I, I do think there are a lot of guys that are guys on this roster right now. They're, they're not Pro Bowl guys. They're not all pro guys. It, and and maybe, maybe that'll work out because I think there's, you know, maybe a couple really standout starters at some positions. And there's just a lot of other guys. Um, and it seems like they're kind of just trying to pack that middle of the roster pretty deeply with those types of players rather than having a big, you know, 
fall off between the starter and then guys that really shouldn't be on a field in the NFL. There's plenty of guys that should be on a field, but they're not, you know, they're kind of these middle of the road guys. So we'll see whether like, can you really have four of those guys out there starting on defense and offense every game? I mean, because that's what it's going to look like right now. All right. Are you ready for the game? Let's do it. You're going to love this, right? This is, this, is, this is y'all's creation. We're doing draft bets. So who, who is going to kick all this off for us? William? Sure. Uh, a number of bets here on the first wide receiver, first running back, and first offensive lineman taken in this order. So, so I have to I, pick all three of them? Well, so yeah, you have to pick the – I'm not sure if, like, they're one after the other or the first one goes uh, – but, like, I think it would be, you know, this is the first wide receiver and then maybe the first running back can be taken later and the first offensive lineman somewhere in the middle. Um, but just be the first one of that position group. So mm. I, I think, like, Jamar Chase, Travis Etienne, and Rashawn Slater, at, I, I think there's, you know – I, I don't know with some of these running backs, like ETN could climb that a little bit. Um, and well, uh, ETN's you know, got to be a guy that they want to, that they want to, that is got to have some pretty good odds to be the first running back taken. Let me just see all, oh, by the way, we're looking at um, Bovada.lv. Not that we would ever gamble illegally. No. no, obviously just for fun, just for, for, um, Entertainment uh, purposes only. Thank you, entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. This is not financial advice. That's what I hear on all my NFT podcasts, which is so dumb. Who's taking their uh, financial advice from a podcast? Um, anyway, uh, invest in Dogecoin, and I think you should bet uh, Kyle Pitts to go fourth overall. That's my favorite bet. That's I, I think that is a lock. And he is to be the fourth overall pick is minus 200. That means you would have to bet 200 to win 100. But I think the odds are not good enough. Like, I think that is happening 99 out of 100 times. Yes, I think sometimes the Falcons may be trading out. But I think somebody might be trading in for Kyle Pitts. I think a lot of teams think Kyle Pitts is the best player in this draft. So I think Kyle Pitts is going fourth overall. Bet it. Take that financial advice. I like the first first four picks to all be quarterbacks at minus 115 in direct contrast of yours <laughs> because exact- I think because of positional value because of positional value everyone's gonna be afraid to trade up for Kyle Pitts and he's gonna fall into our laps at eight someone's gonna lose our house their house because that, I just gave them so much financial awful. advice those odds are awful minus <laughs> 115 oh my goodness those are terrible odds this is why I do not bet but that's what I'm hoping for. I think I think the the first four again is the key to us getting getting the magical man here in Carolina. Betting with your heart is always the right thing to do. That's why I make a lot of money when I bet on the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> Betting with what you hope is going to happen. Here are some other bets that I like. Uh, Trey Lance at the third overall pick. I think I said this. I. I actually don't remember whether I just have been saying this a lot off mic or whether I said it on the podcast, but I think that Trey Lance is the pick at the third for the 49ers. I think that's who they went up to get. I think that's who they have had on their target the entire time. And everything has been, whether it's been a smokescreen or they're just like, they're just not, uh, they're, they're just not arguing with like people. They, they like being in the news, you know, it's fun to be in the news. It's fun to be the most talked about, team and I think that Trey Lance is the guy and the reasoning for that is because uh right after they traded for the pick Adam Schefter or Rapsheet, I don't remember which one tweeted out they're coming up for Lance Lance is their guy that's who they want and then the next day he walked it back a thousand times no 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 actually oh I'm, uh, it's Mac Jones sorry sorry I got it wrong I that to me reads like Kyle Shanahan tweeting or texting Schefter and being like what the hell are you doing you just tweet you just tweeted out who we're gonna pick I did all this research and then they just tweeted it like that. Is that a meme? That's a meme. Um, <laughs> well, you're, you're exact three, right? Of Trey Lance at three, Kyle Pitts at four, Jamar Chase at five. Is that, is that your correct order? That's my correct. That's my big five. Plus 650 for those exact three. Yeah. 
Great I odds. love I love that. Um, I I I maybe that bet may be in by the time this podcast gets released, because uh, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a bet that I that I like. Um, anybody anybody that you have is a surprise to go in the top ten. So drafted in the top ten, obviously you have, um, obviously all the all the big guys, but you have somebody like J.C. Horn is plus one ten to sneak into the one into the top ten, and um. Uh, I think the Panthers have J.C. Horn listed as their number one corner. I think, I think they like him better than Patrick Sertan. I think they like him better than um, Caleb Farley. I think they like J.C. Horn. So that that could be a guy that they take at eight if the deal is not right and the other guys are gone. This one I think is interesting. Um, speaking of top picks, Jalen Waddle picked in the top seven plus two fifty. Please, 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 please. please. <laughs> Again, I feel like you're just taking out bets that you want to happen. No, I'm just trying to point. I'm just trying Colin to point out Colin eats cookies on draft night here is minus 400, I think. Seems good to me. I, I didn't say Najee Harris picked in the top 10 is plus 1,600. I didn't, I didn't say that. Man, that seems like such an over-under, such a terrible pick. I uh, also like Christian Derisaw under 15 and a half as well. Under How much money do you half. have to bet on Trevor Lawrence going number one to win money? Well, you can bet anything. You will just not win a lot, but the odds are minus 100,000. So you'd have to bet $100,000 to win 100. But do you think that's, I mean, it's kind of a free $100, honestly. Like, yeah, let, like, me just, let me just move some money around. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second mortgage on this thing and, and get $100 out of it for some All gift. you got to do is put 100 k into bovada.lv. <laughs> if you're listening to you Bovada, think, we've got partnerships available. If anybody thinks it could be an offensive tackle, Penny Sewell over under six and a half. Rashawn Slater over under nine and a half. Man, that seems like under for – definitely under for Sewell, under six and a half. I think Sewell – Sewell and Chase. So this is my. This is what I think is going to happen. I think Pitts is going to go four. I think Chase is going to go five, and then Sewell is going to go six. So I'm putting. You all locked my money in the top six stuff. earlier. You locked in the top six earlier. There's no yeah. going back now. Yeah, wait, I locked that's it different. in. It's locked in. It's like locking in my top six favorite Dave Matthews songs. You got Granny. You got Warehouse. You got Two Step. Probably don't drink the waters on that list. I got two more. Ants marching probably, and then I feel like I got to have some sort of deep cut, maybe like a shotgun. Although I feel like Granny gets me some fan, uh, some fan points just for being number one. You know the rule. You have to sing a line from one of them now. A little baby. Okay. I'll take that. That's acceptable. <laughs> You're welcome. What else do we have? What else can I make money on? I need to make money, so give me some more. Oh, you want more? I feel like that was a lot. We gave out a lot of good stuff. <laughs> Hornets, uh... Plus twenty five thousand to win the Eastern Conference. <laughs> uh, how about this first defensive player drafted? J.C. Horn plus two fifty. Ooh, okay. See, second on that list behind Parsons is or see. Uh, no, uh, Patrick Sertan is the is the favorite on first mm. defensive player drafted at minus one twenty five. I like J.C. Horn at plus two fifty, um, and then you got a whole bunch of uh, dumb dumbness that nobody's going to pick but or that nobody that nobody's going to win we've also got kyle pitts minus 160 as first non-quarterback drafted so if you wanted to hedge your bet like uh like colin thinks that you're going to go all four quarterbacks off the top i might put some money on that because that seems like a the odds are not good enough kyle pitts is a lock to go after the quarterbacks go do you think there will ever be a time when we have Ooh, just like i don't well so oh, okay. i think if since if oh, cincinnati oh, oh, oh. at five oh, okay all right oh, oh. Well, no, it seems like Cincinnati at five, the, the conversation is focused more on Chase than, than Pitts. And I, I think that's make them down the old positional value conversation. So with you and your top four QBs and then Chase at five, could you imagine if Pitt – who's at six? That's what I'm the saying. Dolphins. We're doing the dance. Because if, if – If it falls to the Dolphins at six, do they then try to trade out or do they just take him? I don't so know. They could get a haul for Pitts at six. I, I might even move up. <laughs> oh my god if they trade if the panthers trade up i'm gonna burn dilworth neighborhood grill to the ground <laughs> Whew, you talk about oh one more thing on the and, and then I'm, I'm i promise i'm done on the on the draft thing. dave matthews band oh, no, 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 no. yeah sure um 
I like my openers to really come in with a punch. I know a lot of them, a lot of people like a little musicality, like a C cup. I like like a, like a don't drink the water, tripping billies. Give me something or like a big hit that the, that the crowd's going to get into. That's what I like to start out with. Um, do I have to sing a line now? Yes. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> he wakes up in the morning. There we go. That was just one. Uh, just to get you going. Um, I think that the problem, the problem with drafting Justin Fields at eight is that you don't, it doesn't feel like there's a real plan in place. Like if they trade back, that feels like there's a plan. They trade it for Sam Darnold. They're going to kind of take this year to rebuild and they're going to trade back. They're going to accumulate future assets. They can use multiple picks to move up for another quarterback. That's moving. That's moving forward with a plan, not, Hey, Justin Fields is there at eight. Let's take him. <laughs> if if Justin Fields is the quarterback or is the pick at eight, he is the plan. I mean, you would take him wrong. right now over Darnold. I mean, so if you end up in a situation where that's what you've got, you go with the better guy. He becomes the plan at that moment. But again, you didn't think that you'd have that option when you traded for Darnold. And I don't know that I don't know that they were wrong. And I still don't think we're sitting here talking like Fields is going to be there. I feel like is it sure everybody is about Pitts? That's the way I feel about Fields being gone by eight. Is it a plan or a process? It's not a rebuild. It's a recharge. And it wasn't built in a day. You don't you don't (laughs) recharge in a day. No, that doesn't work. No, you don't recharge in a what? It's a reset. (laughs) You got to blow in the cartridge. It's time to blow in the cartridge. A serious football place. That's right. (laughs) Will, where can everybody find you? I'm on the internet at panthers.com. Also on the twitter.com slash panthers stats guy. Or in Christian McCaffrey's bushes. So yes, or in the, or in his bushes. Don't follow me on Instagram because you'll just see a lot of weirdness there. Um, That's a a weird thing to say. (laughs) <laughs> following yep might want to get the follow out for that one and so Josh? what do you do you guys have anything going on this uh, for the draft this week yeah so thursday night and friday night we will have Kristen balboni with thomas davis and jonathan stewart uh for like our live draft show um you can see that on our app and panthers.com and part of it on social we can only do 30 minutes on social due to NFL rules, but it'll be on our website and app the whole time. We'll have uh, some pretty cool things lined up. I think we have last year, we had like Steph Curry come on, um, some country music artists. We had former players. So I think all that's going to happen again this year. Um, and then uh, you'll hear from Matt Wool and Scott Fitter as about the process, the plan to make it a serious football place. Any uh, any musical artists that me and Big Matt might be excited about on the live stream? Uh, I mean, we're we're working on it now that now that we've gone viral as like the home of Dave Matthews Band. We'll we'll see what we can do there. Do you do you have any uh, connections we should call? If I had connections, I wouldn't be on this <laughs> Zoom call. <laughs> almost dropped my almost dropped our first curse of the <laughs> um, no, of the show. Drop an f bomb there. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed aggressive, but um, uh, I would be excited. Uh, you can also, we're going to be streaming um, that show live at the Dilworth Neighborhood Grill. If you're in the Charlotte area, the Roaring Riot is having a draft party, which I would invite everyone to come to. It's going to be socially distanced, but it is going to be super fun. And um, our first in-person event of the year for the Roaring Riot uh, starts at 7 p.m., which is, I think, when the draft starts. That's when people will start showing up. I think the draft starts at 8, right? But the yep. party technically starts at 7. We'll have DJ Vinny, who's the DJ at Bank of America Stadium. He'll be doing some DJing. We'll be doing some prize giveaways, including your chance to win a, uh, a official jersey of that first-round pick, whether it is Justin Fields, whether it is Christian Derrissaw, whether it is um, somebody that you wouldn't be excited about, Quiddy Pay. <laughs> Uh, you can get that number 62 pay Jersey that you've always had your eyes on. If they trade down far enough, um, come out for that. That better be Go. a big old trade down situation. Cause you talk about not showing up next week. Take him at eight and I might need a little time. <laughs> Go check out uh, live at radio city music hall. Uh, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. You can also do, um, 
uh, maybe like a live at Chicago, kind of an old school feel to it, but go for a live album. I know a lot of people like the, uh, like the studios, but, um, my wife likes the studio stuff for the live. Got to get that crowd in there. Get a little jamming. Nikki, we need more, Nikki, we need more special teams talk on the show next week. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just work that in. Yeah, if, if anybody needs to find Josh, you'll find him listening to Dave Matthews at Josh Klein Rules, Colin CLT, Nikki704. Happy draft week, everyone. Can't wait to hear all of your normal reactions next week on Twitter. We'll talk about it. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. Will Bryan, your One Day Contract is up. Hello, how are you doing today? I hope I find you feeling healthy. Josh, do you really feel like you better understand Matt Rule now? I'm so glad our pals crossed this time today on our way into the night. You feel like you understand the way his mind processes football on a weekly basis now? May we find love. Here we go. Baby. When he was looking at that fourth and three, did you know deep down whether or not he was going to go for it? It's up to you and me to bring it to the light. See you guys next week. You won. You won. (laughs) 